Sleepy Hollow is a place like no other. A place where the forces of good and evil collide for the fate of the world. Prophecies foretold witnesses destined to protect us all. But will they prevail? Armed with keen insight and the ability to see into dark realms, well, maybe, Karen and Jamie help decipher the witness prophecies. All the devils are yelling. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're not Jamie. No, No. I'm not. Hi, I'm Karen, though. And filling in for Jamie this week is Barb, our frequent feedback contributor. Hello, Barb. Hello, Karen. And you know, it is great to be here. And I was was so excited about doing this podcast with you tonight that I almost lost my head. Wait. Yeah, they're going to bless Jamie back after that. (laughs) I also did the axe, so... Very we good. Both. Um, and tonight, <laughs> I liked it, actually. <laughs> I was just trying to decide which one to play. Uh, tonight, we're going to discuss episode 16 of season two, What Lies Beneath. And it was written by Damien Kindler, who also wrote Mama and Go Where I Send Thee. <coughs> Bone flute. You rem- I was going to say, you remember that one, don't you? Yes. I do. <laughs> I do, too. That was, I think... A while ago. I think I peed myself talking about that episode, <laughs> Jamie. You and Jamie had a very good time with that episode that weekend, I think, for several weeks to follow. Yes, I think so, too. I think so, too. So now we'll move on from it and we'll... Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, and Philip Iscove also um, helped him write it as well. Yes. Yes. (laughs) He wrote the teleplay by himself, and then Philip Iskov helped him write the story. And a lovely job they did. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a decent episode. Uh, We'll talk about that. And it was directed by Dwight Little. And we had two main guest stars this week as well. Stephen Weber as President Thomas Jefferson. And he's had many different TV roles, including Green Goblin on The Ultimate Spider-Man, Murder in the First, Chasing Life. Wings. Wings, yes, Karen, and Wings. And And also the Stephen King-sanctioned The Shining miniseries. Ah, ah, yes, that's right. I'd forgotten all about that. How can one forget Stephen King? Yeah. The one that he approved. Ah, and there are very few of those, aren't there? That's right. He didn't like the Kubrick one. So anyway, go ahead. And then we also had Calvin Riggs and who was played by Sharif Atkins. And many of you may remember him from ER. Mm -hmm. And Uh he was also on White Collar, which Barb has not seen. And I have told her she's insane and that she must go watch it because Matt so, Bomber is yummy. Yeah, she showed me a picture before we started. <sighs> so yummy. I have my marching orders. <laughs> You're going to go watch at least a couple episodes, right? I promise you. I'm going to go watch at least okay. a few episodes. But he's, he played. Go ahead. He's the yummiest con man ever. Uh, and w- more so than Holly. Who, Matt Bomber? Yes. Uh, 
You think so? Yes. Okay. I love Holly, but Matt Bomber. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Sharif Adam Atkins, who had played um, Dr. Michael Gallant on ER, he actually was killed on that show in the Gulf War, and surprise, now he's here on Sleepy Hollow, back from the Middle East, and I guess that shows that anyone can come back from the dead. He's not a hologram, though. No, thankfully. He's no Princess Leia, is he? No, like our other uh, risen guest star, as it were. Indeed. So, I'm going to give this episode 7.5 armpit flashlights. And if you don't get that reference, it is from a little scene where uh, Irving is grinding the little rune into his hand, and he's like going, and it's burning into his hand and there's like a light coming out from under his armpit and shining the whole room <laughs> and to me it looked like his armpit was lighting the room <laughs> so you might want to go back and just look at that scene it does look like an armpit flashlight so i'm going to go back and check that out because actually i thought that it was sort of like raiders of the lost ark when they all exploded yes. at the end of the movie it looks like mm -hmm. that but it's coming right from his armpit I'm going to check that back out, Karen, okay. just to make sure. And I also gave this episode 7.5, but I gave it smashed $7,000 cameras. So very expensive episode for our Calvin Riggs. Yeah, except there mm -hmm. probably wasn't really a $7,000 camera. No, I'm sure that it was made of styrofoam. Yeah, I'm guessing it was a prop camera. Uh, yeah, I, that'd be kind of expensive you know, for the um, episode. When you go to Best Buy and you see those fake, well, not Best Buy, I guess it would be um, like a furniture store, like Ikea, and it's called Proptronics. You know, it's like a plastic TV that's inside mm -hmm. the furniture prop. It's maybe like a Proptronics camera. Same thing. Yeah. I wonder how many times they had to throw it down the uh, well there to get the uh, right shot. <laughs> More than one, I'm guessing. Yeah, that would have been a lot of expensive cameras if right. they used the real thing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's a prop, I'm guessing. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so let's talk about the episode. Um, so I, I'm guessing let's start with the main part. Um, and then we'll talk about the two little offshoots in the end. Uh, the main part would be the whole down in the gutter sort of story. And uh, it starts off with the two guys going down in the in the little hole. They find the little, ooh, there's a hole in the wall. Oh, look, we got to go in here. Duh. Um, really shouldn't be exploring and weird looking holes in the side of the wall, but whatever. Uh, it's Sleepy Hollow. Weird things happen. Uh, I know. I mean, the further they kept going down with the creepy tree roots, I thought, are you all out of your mind? Right. Uh, they they knew that the well was only supposed to go down so far, these little tunnels that were going to become a parking lot at some point in time. Right. But I thought it was really pretty stupid. I know. I thought so, too. For I some mean, very intelligent engineers, supposedly intelligent engineers. Yeah. Oh, hey, this isn't on the map. Let's go check it out. <laughs> and I would have been like, hey, this isn't my job. See ya. <laughs> Get me out of here. Yeah. Let whoever's going to dig the hole in here dig it. Um I'm out. Um, but no, of course, they have to be curious and go in there. 
and you know these things come up out of the ground and drag them down Ugh. you know after the first guy went down the second guy leaning over <laughs> so that dumb. he gets snatched immediately and then the third one kind of looks and hey. there he's gone and i thought you know what you guys are mm. D- you deserve it yeah they kind of did in a way didn't they yeah they did <laughs> They totally did. I was like, hello, run. No, get out of there. If something creepy is grabbing your foot, drop the top back on it and run. Right, right. And don't be holding your camera up to record it. Drop Uh, it and run. Exactly. Leave all your behind. Leave all your belongings behind when exiting the plane in case of emergency. Right. (laughs) I, I don't know if you ever saw... I think it was Raw. I don't know whether it was the first Eddie Murphy special or the second one. But he says, um, you know, honey, I don't think this house is haunted. Get out. Too bad we can't <laughs> stay, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would have been like that. <laughs> yeah. Not very smart. So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It was just like, oh, wow, how beautiful. Uh, look, things coming. Uh, too bad we can't stay. <laughs> Out. Well, I, I thought the first hint to, uh, for them would have been all the vines just kind of growing down in the sewer. That's not normal. Yeah, they had nothing They had nothing to grow in. It, rem- it reminded me, actually, of that creepy house that we had <sighs> back in the fall that had all the vines just kind of growing over it. And at first, I thought one of the vines was going to reach out and just grab them and wrap them all up. Um, but that didn't happen there was Sanctuary. something something worse waiting for them my least favorite episode of last season mm. i hated that episode <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i just didn't like it but anyway um yeah i'm glad it didn't de-evolve into that although there were parts of this episode that <laughs> are, oh. are just as unbelievable <laughs> oh i thought that I thought you were going to say that she didn't like such as, you know, actually after watching part of the episode, and I know we're going to get to this, but it actually left me hungry for ribs. (laughs) Did it? (laughs) No, definitely not. Nice. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yes, everyone run out and buy barbecue ribs tonight for your dinner. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. <laughs> yeah, um, I just, I'm still marveling at how dumb they were, especially after talking to you about it now. They, they at least right. it's not just me thinking that they oh. were stupid. Okay, so yeah, they got lost, and of course, you know, first on the scene, after all these people got called in, Abby and Ichabod, because, hey, people are missing. It's time to call in the troops. But and where were they before they got called in? On the pier. Exactly. It was almost like a quasi-date. Were they trying to continue to mend their relationship, do you think, by touring a, a boat? Hmm. Maybe. And maybe not. Perhaps they were just chitty-chatting, but I thought it would be quite strange that they would simply be taking in the, the town's tourist sites. Yeah. Well, it was a war memorial. 
It was, indeed. And she did compare it to, you know, like armaments. If they yes. had had this in your time, you would have beaten them handily. So it could have definitely been something that was like, hey, let's let me show you something from our kind of war. But also, I think it was a we need to, you know, start hanging out again together sort of thing. And, and you notice he's not around Katrina in this episode. No, at not at all. No. After they had their date night and uh, things got a little interesting. So that made me even more surprised to see that, that he was hanging around then with Abby and Katrina was off somewhere else. In the cabin. In the cabin, indeed. It wasn't she in the cabin? Taking a little nap. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, whatever. She needs time to herself. <laughs> she did. Well, we all need time to ourselves. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought it was a, a cool little um, scene between the two of them. Uh, with them walking there on the on the boat on the I guess it was like a a battleship the USS it, it was I can't well, remember USS which USS whatever. what is was it but uh, I I don't yeah it would tell me what town they were in but I can't remember now um so I thought it was cool that it was a warship so that they you know they could make the compare and contrast and that he was all like. Well, we'll talk about the clip from there, but it was interesting mm -hmm. about how he was comparing, you know, how easily he's fitting in to, <laughs> to how he's, uneasily he's fitting in. He's been assimilated. Like the Borg. Just like the Borg. Amazing how Except that can Except so not. <laughs> and she knows oh, it, not too. even close. Yeah. And I love how she calls him on it immediately. She did. Before he even realized it. And uh, and so they get called in and they go to the to the sewer. And they know something's up. Because, of course, there's witchcraftery happening down there. Symbols and blah, blah, blah. Oh, there's... And they were smart enough. Go ahead. And they were smart enough that once they saw the claw marks. Hello? Problem. Guys probably went down down there. Something's probably wrong. Don't think we should go down. Right. At least two people were smart enough not to go down there. They're the only two, apparently. Apparently so. Right. Because so. I think Calvin, Calvin, whom we have not met yet, would have gone down there. Oh, yeah. He he so would have just gone down there. Absolutely. So then they he would go, have, but... he would have been the he would have been the second course. Yes, definitely. Even though mm -hmm. we know that they haven't gotten eaten yet, they were going to be eaten. But yeah, mm -hmm. if he had gone down there, he would have been the second course. Uh, fourth course, right? First, second, third, fourth? Uh, it depends on what order. Mm, they that's would true. Have been. He could have been the second yeah. course. He could have been because he would have been there on the scene. Right. But yeah. we digress. Yeah. I've <laughs> so, digressed us. That's all right. We, we de-evolve all the time. So... Uh, <laughs> So they they decide they're going to go back up and, you know, get some information to arm themselves with and perhaps some arms to arm themselves with. And they run into Calvin. And she recognizes him as this Pulitzer Prize winning, uh, winning um, 
journalist. Reporter, journalist, yes. Yes. And of course, he just happens to be the brother of one of the three men who was taken. So and yeah. is more than interested in <laughs> yeah. what happens. It's not just a story to him because this is the father of his four-year-old niece. That's right. It's personal. It is very personal. <laughs> I know I'm playing a lot of stuff tonight. <laughs> Just punchy. Um, so, yeah. So, after all this investigating, and I'm going to do a little sum up here, um, they finally do, he, he convinces them that he is not going to leave them alone until he is allowed some kind of access. She allows him limited access, air quotes, and he stays out of the underchamber and they go down in, but he still stays kind of involved. So they get all this information up in the library and then they finally do go back down and lo and behold... It's it's the bicentennial holodeck. <laughs> <laughs> and and here is our Thomas Jefferson. Right? That is me waving my hand through him. And that was absolutely hysterical watching Crane kind of poke and grab at him. Yeah. And and of course Jefferson saying, "Do you mind?" Um, no. How would he know that he's doing that if he was a hologram? <laughs> he wouldn't, right? I, I don't know how he could possibly know. I mean, he may have had memories from the past and have had thought patterns programmed into this hologram, but how could he even possibly see what was going on? I mean, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't know that. No. No, we can't even do that now. So, yeah, 200 years ago, ain't happening. Um, I mean, he was smart, but no. Um, this is kind of pushing my boundaries of of believability. You know, it was a it was a hand wave, as you so fondly call it. Was it was such a hand wave. It was a hand wave that made a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> and what I kind of hated about this antechamber here was how much stuff was down there. And the fact that they didn't get to use any of it. Well, they didn't even snatch anything on no. their way out. No. Which they they had a chance before they tried to rescue the men. When Ichabod went back down to blow the place up, they had a chance just to even grab one item, and they took nothing. Right. And this was my main issue, I think, with the episode, is them not taking any time in the center of all this to try and work out some sort of way to take anything. I mean, they they went back up to the surface between these times. You tell me they didn't think to pick up a couple books and take them with them? Hey, we're going up to the surface. Let's grab some stuff. Now, that was pretty unbelievable to me because with because they had been speaking earlier on the boat or the ship about how they really didn't know where they were going next. Right. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't know what the next monster was. They knew that this would last for seven years. 
but they had no idea what they were supposed to be fighting now. And this would have provided them with a hint. And they knew that those Reavers were down there. Right? Exactly. (laughs) There's danger already down there. The library is above ground. Hey, let's take some of the stuff from where all the dangerous things are and take it above ground while we can before something bad happens down there. Grab and go. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that that hurt me. Almost physically hurt me to see them have to destroy all that. And uh, that was my big, like, ugh, knit sort of. It was worse than a knit in my opinion, because seeing books destroyed is like, sad for you. Yes, so sad. Uh, I mean, just to see this huge depository of information. uh, uh, I mean, especially if it had been an actual Jeffersonian library destroyed. Priceless. Oh, Oh, man. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, but, but he told him, I mean, this was all the information that they had been collecting that the witnesses would need. Mm-hmm. And that's, this is why I marked the episode down because Abby and Inkabot have been so smart and so intelligent about getting what they need when they needed it. Mm-hmm. And here is all this that's just there for them without them really having to do anything other than escape the Reavers, of course, but they could have just taken something. Right. Even and there a couple was nothing. Would have. Or those little tiny scrolls that talked about their mentors. I mean, there right. may have been a mentor there that's still out there today waiting for them that would that they haven't met yet that could be identified in the scroll. Right. And it would help get rid of some of the question of, okay, when I when we meet the next person, are they a good guy or are they a bad guy? What mm-hmm. are they? Right. Yeah. But that then, was, you know, would have made the show simpler. Right. That, that's true. But we only have two... We only have, and they're, wait, they're going to fight for seven years. How simple do we need it to be? Give us a hint to the next one. We I only know. have one down. It's Moloch. I know. And there's supposed to, to be six more. Exactly. So, yeah. <sighs> I know. Frustrating. Again, so angry. But anyway, um, what ends up happening is they talk to him. They get a few details. In going back up, then coming down, and in trying to save these three men, they run back into the Reavers. And just in order to get the three men out safely, they have to destroy that library. And they decide that it's better to save the three men and to keep the Reavers from getting to the rest of society than it is to save this underground lair. And... That's the big decision they decide to make. And as we just discussed, uh, I mean, I guess it was the best decision at the time, but they should have taken the opportunity before then to take some things out, and blah, blah, blah. They, they had time to think about it. Right. Now, I do have a question about the Reavers. Mm-hmm. So these were originally Washington sentries, right? Right. And as Jefferson said, using witchcraft, they put these... Reavers to sleep until someone showed up to try and access this library because they were, are protecting it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if the same witches who we think who put Inkabod to sleep or from Katrina's coven um, and or, and and put and and put him to sleep, then 
why did they turn out to be so, you know, blood-eyed zombies and Ichabod turned out okay? Uh, well, for one thing, it's his wife that put him to sleep. So that was more of a personal thing. And this might have been like a group spell thing. Maybe so. I think they did show the four those four witches from before, didn't they? Yeah. The ones in the black veils that we've seen. Oh, see, they weren't good witches. They were bad witches. You're right, they were bad witches. Then what on earth were Jeff then were Washington and Jefferson doing using bad witches? Well they might not have known. Oh, that's true. They might just have thought that they were good witches. Hmm. See, here's the deal. Katrina was already, um, you know, distracted by her husband dying. And these women might have gone to them and said, hey, you need these sentries to look after things. Let us help you. Ah, so that they may have been there with the purpose of not really guarding the room. But helping the fin- to the sabotage finister. it. Exactly, and destroying the witnesses. Mm, see? Mm, we could go with that. There we go. This mm-hmm. is my job, see? And it's a good job. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, any other thing I'm missing there? No, but um, maybe we should talk a little bit about the history that Jefferson and Ichabod had. Sure. <laughs> Let's do that. Go for it. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, I'll play a clip about this later as well, but, oh, you know, Jamie and I thought that we had gotten out from under this a little bit. That, oh, really, seriously? Karen, they were BFFs. Come on. (laughs) He named the Declaration of Independence and really... (laughs) Jefferson's only contribution was to put a the on the front of it. Are well, are you effing with me? <laughs> Ichabod is a multifaceted and extremely talented man. Okay, can he I help just... write the Declaration of Independence? Okay, the... let me, let me just let me ask you a question here, Barb. <laughs> And then I'm I'm just I'm asking you to play devil's advocate here to my question. I'll do it. Here's the fathers of our country. We know them we know their names in our sleep, right? George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin. We know their names. John Hancock even, right? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> if Ichabod Crane started the tea party helped name the declaration of independence was george washington's second in command uh i mean if he did all this stuff if he was daniel boone's constant companion wouldn't we know his name i think the witches must have rewritten the history books karen oh my gosh it was probably all in the room (laughs) do you think i i Firmly believe it. Yeah, right. I was really starting to feel like they were figuring out that we didn't really need there to be a connection with every single historical figure. 
I think the writers figured it out. That's why Abby rolled her eyes. Yeah. Aren't yep. you BFFs? Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. sarcasm went right over his head. Yeah. And, of course, he explained, well, I wish we had been BFFs. <laughs> <laughs> because he's a man of the of the present now. He's assimilated. Oh, that's right. He yes, he has. He friended me. Mm-hmm. He says, yes. In your vernacular, I believe he unfriended me. Yeah, okay. Except that you named the, uh, our Magna Carta, essentially. <laughs> you named it. <laughs> he, was un- he was unfriended. How could he get close to it to sign it when he was unfriended? <laughs> Come on, Karen. But he, you know better. He named it. <laughs> he called it the Declaration of Independence. And then Jeff- all Jefferson said was the Declaration of Independence. Brilliant, my good man. <laughs> and then he genuflected. Oh, my God. Oh, my stomach hurts from this. <laughs> well, then let's get him out of there and send him back up the tunnel, shall we? I was okay with them destroying the Moriarty version of Jefferson. And again, it's another Star Trek reference for those of you that don't know about the holodeck on uh, on Star Trek The Next Generation. But Moriarty was like Data's counterpart in the holodeck on Star Trek The Next Generation. Look it up. Um, what did you think about Abby letting Inkabod go down by himself into the tunnel to blow the place up? When they're supposed to be, you know, joined at the hip. I think it was a good thing. She said, you know, let me know if you need help. And he said, as you say, I've got this. Um, I really liked that because she did let him know, I've got your back, but I also have faith in you. So I actually kind of dug that little interchange they had. And I think she kind of knew that he needed to make the decision on his own that's fair I can go with that but I think she also knew he was going to make the right decision and he did Mm -hmm. he did although you know you know how I feel about that whole thing that they made the wrong decision before that but that was the right decision at that time so ugh duh yeah and then out of the out of the tunnel they went and Calvin, Calvin now. Oh, Calvin, Calvin and the sparkiness. Oh, yes. And he sent her an email. That's right. A little mm-hmm. email that kind of looked like a text, but whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I never give away my sources. Winky face. Um, <laughs> and, he, and you notice he had apparently taken her picture on the sly and already attached it. I saw that. Yes. So I think that uh, he was feeling uh, some fireworks yeah, as they exited that, the tunnel. You think he took that picture with the $7,000 camera? Mm, no, he probably took it with the cell phone. The camera was gone, so yeah. he wouldn't have had time to copy it over. Yeah, I think he wished it was with the $7,000 camera. I'll bet he did. <laughs> His impressive camera, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bone flute. Um, 
But he did. He had some sparks. Do you think we're going to see him again? I kind of doubt it. I don't think we're going to see him again, but there were definitely some sparks happening there. Absolutely. Because there are only two episodes left in this yeah. in this season. If so we, we see probably him again, won't. it will be like down the road, like yeah. next season. Yeah, and their boy, there better be a next season because this was a sad showing on this episode, at least initially. It, there'll be another season. Yeah, um, okay. It's a sure thing on TV line. And TV lines really, it's so much better than TV by the numbers and predicting things. Okay, good. Um, that's, you know, Minovich and Osiello and stuff. So they they know what they're talking about. Um, they're saying that there's no way that Fox won't renew it. I, I can't imagine they won't. I mean, it would have to, like, totally tank and knock wood. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh fox knows it's got it's got a loyal viewership so well maybe maybe if we tell fox that we like the character of calvin riggs they'll bring him back that, now that that won't make jamie happy well because, that doesn't course, mean that he's because he's shipping yeah. but he could get together with jenny oh that's true that is a nice alternative they'd look good together they would look very good together yeah. i still like holly and Holly and uh, Abby, but hey, whatever. <clears throat> I I like I like Ichabod and Abby too. I I don't mind. I I don't care. Whoever. I I like the show no matter who's together. To be yeah, honest. Sort of, yeah, I like it too. <laughs> I don't care if there's yeah. a romance at all. Yeah, we'll hand wave it. Yeah. We like action. So don't care. I like the the mythology and the the humor and the the fish out of water aspect of things and um, the skinny jeans and that sort of <laughs> dealio. So uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't mind the romance aspect. It's it's kind of you know oh on the edge of my seat and he's so cute and swoon worthy and all that, but uh, it doesn't have to be specifically with you know, any end game in mind, as it were, if that makes sense. Does yeah, that, that makes sense? sense. It makes sense. Other than having a good, solid story. That's yeah. what we were. Well, yeah, see. good, solid story. Good story. Would be good. Yeah. <laughs> kind of want to see that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think we're kind of done with that. It was, I think so. That story was murky at best. I mean, I understood what they were doing with it, but it wasn't exactly the most solid storyline of the season. Um. It was good. It's just, you know, whenever they rely on a, hey, I was best friends with this guy in the past, and I contributed to history in a really solid way, except you never heard my name. I, I always tend to roll my eyes, and, <laughs> and there's a big part of me that cuts it down. So uh, <laughs> that's the only reason it didn't get higher than a seven and a half for me. Um, well, and... And I think we also know, and the writers have expressed this, you know, they're, they're correcting, they're course correcting, because they know that people were not as happy with the first part of season two as they were with season one. Mm -hmm. We've got two episodes left, and so those two really are, need to bring it home, and that's probably what the writers are doing. Uh, they're going to bring it home for us, mm -hmm. end up the season with a big bang, yeah, so that we'll be very so. happy. Let's I hope, hope so. so. And I know where Jamie's hoping the Big Bang is. It's blowing up Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
as you know also i know i know <laughs> jamie 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 um but we'll talk about her in just in a just a bit. minute first before we talk about that let's talk about irving and jenny oh yes and irving is not exactly the most honest of people in this episode but he's also not exactly the worst person either but I'm wondering what side is he really on yeah, because too. he's he is he's playing both ends on this one. I know. Be, because when he you know when he made his impassioned plea that he wanted to you know have have access to these offshore accounts for his family, but the way he threw Ginny up against the wall twice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is he turning on this this good bad thing with his room like rune like a light switch? Yeah, I don't, know. Uh, I don't know. I am so confused about him. I I go back and forth almost with every sentence he says. Orlando Bloom is, I mean, not Orlando Bloom, Orlando Jones. <laughs> Orlando Jones is doing such a good job with the stuff he's given that I really cannot tell what which way his character is going. And that's saying something. Um, it's kind of the same way that John Noble played his character last season, mm -hmm. um, to a lesser extent, because mm -hmm. John Noble just came out of nowhere. Um, we have hints of where Irving is, but right now I'm just at a loss. I, I can't predict which way he's going to go. Um, John Noble, I mean, I kind of get he's going to be bad. It's going to take a lot for me to think that he's going to be good. You know, he's going to have to actually be good for me to believe he's good. Yeah, I mean, with Frank, uh, he saved them from Moloch. He self-sacrificed. Then he turns around, and once he's resurrected, he gives the book to Henry. Mm -hmm. And then he's all wonderful and sweet with his wife. Right. And, and he, he goes through the ritual with Katrina in order to get whatever expunged. The trust, the faith, although she, you know, that it makes me wonder if she really saw evil in him because she looked at him so strangely. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if maybe she was hiding something because her evil buds were beginning to bloom. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what's going to happen with Frank. It'll be interesting to see what they do with him in the next two episodes. If he goes completely to the dark side, then at some point in time, then he's, he's out again. I know. I just, I... It's hard for me to even... I, I can't guess with him. I can't. You know, we got two episodes left, and I'm patient enough to wait and see with him. So I don't know about you. I, I can wait, but I'll ask another question. Do you think the money was really going to go to his wife and his daughter, or do you think it was going to go to Jenry Warman? Mm. Again, I had the same questions. I don't know. Uh... I don't know. <laughs> I really Good don't luck. know. All right, folks. We'll place your bets. Uh, yeah. We'll go to Vegas and we'll start giving you odds on it. Which yeah. way is Frank the going? The odds 50-50 right yeah. now. Pretty much. Pretty much. Because it could go either way. I mean, it looks like he cares about his family, but then it also doesn't. So, mm. And I like that the writers are doing that uh, because actually that leaves him a lot of of leeway to play his character mm -hmm. it keeps us guessing i i agree with you i have absolutely no idea where he's going yeah it's kind of cool. but i 
I like it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And even though last time this this year, I mean, last, whatever, this time last season, which wasn't this time last year, it was, well, I guess it was, whatever, <laughs> a couple episodes from the end of last season, um, we had no idea that that Jenry Warman was going to be the bad guy. No idea until the very end, right? I mean, I don't know about yes. you, but I had no idea. Oh, I thought he was good. Yeah, me too. Um, that came out of nowhere for me. So this is not going to be like that sort of shock. Um, but he knew, John Noble knew that he was going to be bad. So he was playing a long game with us. So I almost felt betrayed at the end of the season. <laughs> I don't know about you, but with Orlando Jones, I'm not going to feel that way. I'm going to feel like kudos. Whichever way he goes, I'm going to be like, good job. Mm-hmm. Um, but John Noble, last season, I was just like, you mf'er. <laughs> <laughs> you knew all this time and you played me. And then I looked back on everything and I'm like, you hinted. All season you hinted, and yet I still didn't. I am so stupid, <laughs> you know. I just I went back and I saw all those little things, those tiny little clues they placed where it was the blood that did the golem, and the you know. And I was like, oh, how could I miss it? And you know, it's not going to be like that this season, but still, it's I see where they're setting us up for. A nice little turn. But I like that they're doing it that way because if they played Irving the exact same way that they did with Jenry Warman, we would say, oh, they just did that. That's right. a rerun. Right. So I like it. Yeah. yeah. We know he could be either good or bad, and we just can't guess either way. They're and he could, fl- he could flip a few more times before the, all of this is over. Right. No? And it's believable. It is. The way they're doing it. It mm-hmm. looks like he could really go either way. He's doing this. He's doing that. He could be playing a con. He could. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he's <laughs> doing. It is it is frustrating, but I, I do have enough patience to wait two weeks. So so um, do I. And speaking of Jenry Warman, we got this two minute long thing right at the end there with, uh, with Jenry coming back and talking to Mommy Dearest. Oh, and he loves his mommy, doesn't he? He brought his mommy some flowers. That was so sweet of him to do that. I know, wasn't it? Weren't they pretty flowers? They were, but he forgot to pluck off the thorns they, the way they do in the florist shop. And he forgot to put them in waters. He did, because they died. Oh, but again, remember, <laughs> didn't he blow up the florist shop last year? He did. So, there, so he had to do it himself, and he didn't know how to do it. <laughs> That's right. They were Poor. deaded. Poor thing. They were dead and they didn't they have were... the thorns taken off. Daddy never showed him how to properly give flowers to mommy. Mm. This disc. We're the weirdest. But yeah, <laughs> he, he gives this mommy the flowers and he puts them into mommy's hand and ouchie with the thorns. And she thinks she's having a dream. Ow, I wake up, I go over and I wash my hands and oh there's blood oh boy this is not good and then she looks and there they are dun dun wait play it 
<laughs> I almost just did it with my mouth. Um, there's something to isolate. I almost just did it with my mouth. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she didn't know that he was really there, but yes, he was really there. He left the flowers. He cut her palm. And we're going to hear something from Justina that also crossed my mind as well. I don't know if it crossed your mind as well, but um, when she says it in her feedback, you and I can also talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, it immediately crossed my mind when I saw what had happened. Jenry, what are you up to? Yeah, but I mm-hmm. think... Uh, Okay, we'll talk about it in a second. L- yep. Let me play her feedback right now so that we can talk about it. <laughs> so let me play it. It's, her feedback's kind of long, but it's fine because she had a lot to say. So let me play it right now. Hi, this is Justina calling in for Witness Prophecies. My cranism of the week? To use the vernacular term, he unfriended me. I also liked the part where Ichabod was explaining that he understood Instagram. I give this episode 8 out of 10 holographic presidents. I had to mark this episode down this week because the storyline I was most interested in did not occur till 58 minutes into the episode, which was highly disappointing to me. I was very interested in when they did the ground penetrating radar that the shape that built on the screen was the same as the shape of the Jefferson Memorial in Washington, D.C., so right away that made me expect Jefferson. I am so excited on what I saw in the previews at the end of the episode that I just want to fast forward to next Monday and watch because the previews were so intense. I'm wondering if the battle lines will be drawn this way. If it will be Jenry Warman, Katrina, and Abraham, and Irving on one side, and Abby, Ichabod, and Jenny on the other side. I'm also hoping for a reappearance of Franklinstein because he cannot be killed and he's supposed to serve Abby and Ichabod. So it would be helpful to have him on the side of good. And we haven't seen Abraham in a couple of weeks. So I'm wondering, I remember a few episodes back, um, some demons that left Purgatory were looking for him and was seeing him as their leader. So when Abraham does reappear, is he going to have a demon army behind him? Because that could be super bad. Does Jenry Warman now have a blood contract on his own mother? This is Justina, looking for the fast-forward button. Have a great week. Yeah. A blood contract. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought, too. Was that now he has drawn her blood. Just the way he did with Frank. That's right. And he doesn't seem to need permission. Because he didn't have his permission either. Right? Well, no, he, he, well, he asked, he asked Frank to sign that document to represent him. Maybe he doesn't need it with Katrina because they're blood relatives. Maybe. 
I don't know. Did he say something to her when he handed her the roses? He told her that they needed to work on something together, I believe. Mm. And then she accepted the flowers. Mm-hmm. So what do we think? What do we think Jenry Warman's agenda is now? He wants them to work together. Oh, but to do what? I don't know. I just think he wants her power. I think he's inherited some of it. Well, sure, they're both witches. Absolutely. But, you know, she do he doesn't want her power against him. He'd rather have her power on his side. And he knows Daddy doesn't have powers, so... Is he technically still a horseman? Uh, I don't think so. There, uh, Okay. When Jamie and I talked about this before, the horseman, again, it's, this is all in theory because I don't really believe they exist in real life. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> I hope not. In mythology, the horseman it always exists. It's just they don't take form until called upon. So he was called upon and took the form of Jenry and and Abraham and whoever else it was going to be. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then as soon as Moloch was killed, his hold on them vanished. And still Abraham has part of the horseman inside of him and they're trying to get rid of him. So maybe he still does, but the the actual armor of the Horsemen of War is gone. They destroyed that. Yes. So I think he's severed from that. He may still have part of the essence inside of him, like Abraham has part of the essence inside of him, but he doesn't have the demon behind it. So... They may not have the power of it, but they have the, like a little essence remaining. And as soon as that is gone, they'll just be down to whatever they were before. So he'll still have powers. Abraham will just be a man. A headless one. Hmm. Unless, and this is also something that Jamie and I talked about. Unless they reunite him with, as as uh, Justina <laughs> called him, the Franken... The Franken-monster, the Franken-monster, yes, yes or Franken whatever monster. she called him. Because yes. that is his head. That's true. So if they manage to mash up his body and his head, then he could technically be that weird hybrid horseman thing and be alive with his own head. And it might make him into Abraham again, or it might make him into a, like a, this kind of super Abraham. Um, I don't know. It may just, you know, dissolve whatever magic is inside of him. Um, but since that's his head, if Katrina manages to pull this off before whatever happens to her happens, then... You know, they could actually do something. I mean, they wouldn't just introduce that creature with his head on it and drop it, would they? I mean, 
Depends on how they're rewriting. Yeah, it I depends. Guess. It depends. <laughs> but the, I'm thinking there was some sort of end game with that and then trying to make him mm-hmm. back into Abraham. So they they could be trying to make him into a good guy by using that Frankenmonster thing with him. So there's that. And then I think Jenry wants to reunite with Mommy so that Mommy's not on his bad side. I don't know that he cares about her at all. He's just so disconnected. I don't really, you know, he, he doesn't have feelings. I think he's a sociopath at this point. He just, he doesn't want mommy on the opposite side from him. That would be, yeah, it will be very interesting to see if he has stolen her soul to make himself more powerful <laughs> or if he's trying to make her more powerful. No, I don't think to that's work the case. with him to to achieve to achieve something, or if yeah. he's just simply trying to turn her to the to the dark side. Yeah, I I just think he wants to team up with her because he's more powerful with her than without. Period. Well, he doesn't have Moloch anymore. He's not powerful with anyone at this point, right. other than the power that he has for himself that he right. displayed last week by taking care of those three uh, uh, hood, hoodlums. Hoodlums, yes, hoodlums. hoodlums. I like that. Those whippersnappers. Yeah, young little, yeah. Shenanigans. Yes. Um, so I have some other clips. Um, Justina mentioned that clip. It's long. I'm not going to play it. You guys know that clip. Um, I do have the Instagram, which is the one that uh, Barbara and I were talking about with them on the boat. And I did want to play that because I love how she responds to him when he notices the girls taking the pictures. Um, so let me play that real quick. Is it possible, Lieutenant, that I am fully assimilated in this era? A man entirely comfortable in this time, this place. Uh. And go. Instant Graham. What happened to experiencing life rather than posting it? So the man with photographic memory? Believe me, there are moments I would rather forget. And then, woe is me, I am Ichabod <laughs> Crane. <laughs> Comes after that. But, oh, God, I love how pompous he is at the beginning of that, too. Mm-hmm. Is it true that I have assimilated myself 100% into this century? <laughs> well, Tommy Jefferson told him he had as well, so he may yeah. actually believe it at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> but I love, he's looking at the girls and she says, and go. <laughs> it's just so great. Um, and then I have uh, this clip, which short but sweet. We just blew up the author of the Declaration of Independence. Truth be told, he insisted. <laughs> so loved that. So loved it. Um, do you think I should play the one where it's them uh, unfriending and BFFs? Go for it. Okay, I'll play that. It's a little long, but we can laugh about it while we listen. Uncommon men apprise uncommon words. Okay, vital secrets is a little vague. What could they be stowing away? Unfortunately, details of this chamber remain a mystery to me. I thought you were BFFs with those guys. Washington, Franklin, Adams. If by BFF you mean Washington was my mentor and Franklin was a, a harsh taskmaster, then yes, BFFs. My relationship with Jefferson was more complicated. You telling me you're on the house with him? Not at first. He was my mentor and 
an inspiration. And I thought a friend. I believed he saw promise in me, but apparently not. What changed that? To use common vernacular, Jefferson unfriended me. <laughs> yeah. Ah, I love that. A and sad I love day how in. she's going through all the books and he is like waxing philosophical about everything. She's just like BFFs, right? <laughs> <laughs> and rolling her eyes. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, oh, yes, Jefferson Washington. <laughs> right, BFFs. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> And then here is the lines that got me, and I'm sure they got you too, about Ichabod and Jefferson <laughs> sitting around naming the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration. The Declaration of Independence, my good man. So let me play that so that we can roll our eyes around <laughs> in our heads until they fall out. Everyone we needed to guide us in this war has been lost to us. If you only knew how I wanted to be among them. But you needed to be kept at arm's length. I would advocate expanding and moving grievances of the king to the bottom. I feel it more fully represents the will of our fellow countrymen. And more likely better withstand scrutiny from Congress. Ah, clever, clever and justified. This document will change the course of our struggle. Well, that is the hope. A Declaration of Independence. The Declaration mm. of Independence. This will show the crown and the world that our destiny is our own. <laughs> no effing way. Just no. He's everywhere. He's in your history book. Yes, he's in my history book under <laughs> fiction. <laughs> In a book written by Washington Irving called The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> the lead character in said book, but otherwise, no, not so much. Yeah, uh, the, that, that is Jefferson's contribution, apparently. After he writes it, he says, the, and that's it. Where would we be without that? Oh, oh my the. God. I don't know. I'm just so mad. <laughs> I thought we were done with this whole I you know after the Daniel Boone debacle cuz that that was too much for me. I'm sorry right? but he could not know Daniel Boone, right? I mean, no, he couldn't have. Yeah. So place your bets. We're going to get a historical reference next week? Yes. Of course. Mhm. Mhm. Well, I'll, I'll say something. <laughs> In the, uh, in the, uh, spoilers, and we might discuss it, so. Okay. We'll uh, have to make people go away before that if they yes, don't want to Yes, we will, but we'll, we'll end up, uh, giving some information before that. Um, we played our feedback, and Barb is usually one that gives feedback, and I want to tell you how you can give feedback. How's that for a segue, Barb? That's a great one, Karen. <laughs> it's the worst, right? <laughs> um, our deadline is usually Wednesday. Um, the earlier in the day, the better. We usually start recording about 6 p.m. Eastern. So Wednesday afternoon. 
early afternoon. Eastern uh, time. Eastern. Thank you. Thank you, Barb. You're welcome, Karen. <laughs> Thank you for having my back. Um, we do have a telephone line you can call, which no one ever does, but hey, it's there. 304-837-2278. But you can also go to our webpage, which is goldenspiralmedia.com forward slash feedback. And you can text, type in a thing and it'll send like an email. Or you can attach an audio file in WAVE or MP3 or whatever kind of format you have that we can listen to. IFE or OGG or whatever. And we also have a speak pipe widget on that page that you can just speak right into your microphone and it will send it right to us in a they format can, as well. They can even email it to you at feedback at goldenspiralmedia.com. Nice. See, and Barb would know because she does that. Every week. <laughs> That's right, every week. <laughs> and not just to us. She gives feedback into several shows, which is awesome. Um, person of interest, us. Uh, I know you did to uh, Chester's Mill, right? Yes, I did. Yep, Chester's Mill Gazette and a couple other shows. You're all over the place. Everywhere. So, But you're awesome, so we like it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and then on Twitter... Uh, we are at Witness Prof GSM. I am at Alaveria. And do you want to give out your Twitter handle? Sure. I am at Tangier14. Or as Doug likes to call you. <sighs> Tangier. <laughs> as if I were an astronaut from the 60s. No, Tangier14. Oi vey. <laughs> what about Jamie? We can't leave poor and Jamie out. Jamie, what is his oh. right off the top of my head? Oh, I've done a bad thing to you. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a minute. Parish, he's at Parish. Parish, Parish the thought. thought. Thank you. <laughs> I knew it wasn't Jamie. I just couldn't think of it. Thank you. Jamie is at Parish the Thought. So um, you can also tweet him as well. And people See, can become a fan of Golden Spiral Media on Facebook and join the Facebook page and right. share everything there. All that. And I want to explain myself here, okay? We have a document <laughs> every week that I rely on in order to say these things. And I have edited out things and I added in Barb's Twitter handle. And so Jamie's Twitter name is not on the screen in front of me because I am an idiot. Karen, did you unfriend Jamie? No, this week? no, I thought he's you were BFF. He's my BFF. I know. He's oh, totally my Jamie. BFF. Poor Jamie. He is. So yeah, there's that. And uh, I also want to give a shout out to Patreon, of which you are a sponsor. I am indeed. And um, in order to be one of our guests on the show, you are a Patreon sponsor. That is one of the things that we let you do. Because you are a donor for us, and um, you would be first in line for that sort of thing, and you're a frequent contributor and all that stuff. So we thought, hey, we need someone to fill in. Barb contributes all the time. She's a sponsor of our shows. Why don't we ask her to fill in? And, and uh, you know, we know she's up on the show, and she's willing to do it. And so we asked you, and here you are. So. And and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it tonight. Awesome. We're so glad. And you did a great Thank job. You. Thank so you, happy Karen. So happy to have you. Thank you. And, uh, and so if you want to uh, 
contribute to Golden Spiral Media and become a Patreon sponsor, you can uh, donate at our Patreon page at goldenspiralmedia.com forward slash Patreon. So um, do that and uh, help us keep everything going here at the Golden Spiral Media machine, as it were. And now, if you don't want to hear about next week, then you just have to leave. Skedaddle, get out. Run from the, the reapers. Hit you on the way out. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's me cutting you off at the legs. <laughs> all right. I think everyone's out the door, right? I think you're right. All right. I think we should talk about next week. Yeah, because awakening. Oh, yes. And this sounds like a good one, It Karen. does. And I also, I... I'm lucky enough to have access to the press site, and I get pictures as well, and I pasted a picture in for Barb to see, and she and is enjoying it. I am enjoying this tremendously because I'm originally from South Florida, and I will say that these creatures that are, are these things that are in the picture are things that can be found on my front yard if I were still living in Florida. Also, there's, there's another creature that he's looking at there as well. Not just oh, the pink there thing. Is, isn't, oops, there certainly is, isn't there? Oh, we can my. we can give that away. Um, we can give that one away. Yeah, they're up on sites. These pictures. Um, he is in a hardware department of of some sort of a store. It's either a hardware store or a department, and he is looking at um, garden gnomes, gnomes, and flamingos, <laughs> and it is quite an interesting picture of him perusing this. He is looking at a very tiny garden gnome, but there are travelocity-looking garden gnomes and many, many different types of flamingos. So think, so think Hurley of Lost in the episode where he uh, stole the garden gnomes, okay? Yes. That's, that's exactly what you have here. Yes. And many lawn implements in back of him. There are hoses and hose attachments. And there, it looks like a, one of those horns. Yeah, there are some strange things on the wall here. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Sullivan seasonal somethings. But it's an interesting looking picture. I can't wait to see what they're doing there. Um, they are talking about the grimoire in next week's episode. Let me read the synopsis. And then we'll talk about it for a minute, and then we'll bid everyone adieu. Uh, next episode, the 17th, the penultimate episode of season two, Awakening. Henry Parrish returns armed with John Dee's grimoire, a powerful book of demonic magic with a plan to reconstitute Sleepy Hollow's long dormant, but at one point powerful coven of witches. His initial attempt is met with noticeable, albeit limited success, prompting him to seek out an ally in his cause. Hmm, I mm. wonder who that could be. As Crane and Mills investigate three separate incidents related to Henry's handiwork, they are led to one of the many duplicate copies of the Liberty Bell. Hmm. The repeated peal of which appears to have prompted recent cases of unexplained, uncontrolled rage in some of the town's residents. Following some research, they discover the bell's provenance has been closely associated with an awakening ritual 
that sparks the powers of those with witch heritage, which in Sleepy Hollow potentially numbers among the thousands. Meanwhile, Katrina, intrigued by her recent encounter with the warlock Solomon Kent, again played by the lead singer of The Wonders, tries to make sense of his prophetic warning about her more powerful dark side and gets an unexpected, though not wholly unwelcome, visitor, which puts her and Ichabod at direct odds. And Jenny tells Abby and Ichabod what she's learned about the true nature of Frank Irving's soul, that it is still under some sort of demonic control. This realization is proven out, complicating the team's current mission even further, and forcing Jenny to resort to drastic measures. And then it, there's a little caption for the photo. Ichabod, Tom Ison, goes shopping in Awakening. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Liberty Bell. Wow. This sounds like this is going to be quite an exciting episode. Yeah. So, are they... <sighs> Terrytown is not exactly right around the corner from Philadelphia. No, so I wonder where all these bells are coming from. Did they, did, I mean, do the people order cracked bells just for the fun of it and put them up in their church towers so that they can ring with a very strange peal? I, I can't say that I've seen, I've seen, I've actually seen the cracked Liberty Bell and it's pretty heavy. I don't. It's know. very heavy. I don't know how they'd haul all and those And they don't ring around. it anymore. No, they don't because they don't want it to crack anymore. Right. So yeah, mm. I I'm not quite sure how that's gonna get from. Okay, it's like what an hour and a half away from Terrytown, at the least. Terrytown is above New York City. I think so. Yes. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work. But, hey, whatever, hand wave, hand wave. Again, I'm sensing some sort of a tsunami coming from my hand. Actually, it's going to be a, a peeling tsunami. <laughs> is it? And, and if you, if, let's think about it. So they're saying this is going to have unprovoked rage or wild rage, uncontrolled rage in the town's residence. I hope it doesn't Well, you know what? If, the, if, that bell, if that bell was ringing at three o'clock in the morning, I think I'd have some uncontrolled rage too. Yeah. Hell yeah. Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and Solomon Kent's going to be back or, I know. or at least she's going to be thinking of him, I guess. Well, they oh, well intrigued by her recent encounter. Well, yeah. hopefully, hopefully he'll be back. Well, at least something in in her head. So mm -hmm. we shall wait and see. Yeah, I can't we'll wait. I can't wait either. It'll be something to look forward to. Yay. Much fun. And I I'm so glad you got to join me tonight, Barb. Thank Karen. It has been absolutely wonderful joining you. And you now, as long as we're I guess getting ready to sign off at this point, I just want to wish all of our our audience a very happy Valentine's Day because after all nothing says I love you mom like dead thorn-covered poisoned roses <laughs> that is true good night everybody good night